me to the book of James, chapter number 4. And as you're turning there, we've been talking about the, the ABCs of Christianity. The, the main one that we talked about a few weeks ago was salvation. That salvation is a gift to every one of us, for God so loved the world. Every one of us are, are, have an invitation for that. But also the word saved in the Greek means to be made whole, spirit, soul, or body. And so that's what God wants us to do. But listen, and, and we're going to go a little farther today. Salvation, guys, is not a one-time prayer or one-time trip to the altar. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. Jesus said, follow me. He said, follow me. And, and Jesus' cry was, I want to make disciples of you. Well, a disciple is a disciplined one. A disciple is one that will seek God all the days of his life from start to finish. Now, each one of us, we've probably heard this before in the, in the physical realm. You are what you eat. Well, you think about that. Many times in our life, we have physical problems because of improper diets. Or maybe we have uh, vitamin deficiencies. But even in those areas, you can look at with, with things like diabetes and cholesterol. It can be treated by a change of diet. Well, think about this on a spiritual level today. That you may be malnourished spiritually. So what does that mean? You've got to begin to make an effort for the things of God. God will not force them upon you. You've got to come to God every day and seek God every day. And you know, King David said in Psalm 107.9, he said, He fills the hungry with good things. He fills the hungry with good things. Now I want to highlight that to you today. Because that means I still got to go to the table and eat. God wants to fill me with good things, but it's up to me. Now let's begin here. We're going to be in the, the back part of the New Testament a little bit this morning to start with. James chapter 4, verse number 8. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Now I like that right there because he said, draw near to God. That is my, my choice. God will not force me to do that. But if you'll look here, it says, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. And so God requests your presence. God invites us to come in. He wants to hang out. This is an invitation that is issued by Father God. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Keep reading with me. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so there's just more to, to salvation than just confessing Jesus Lord. If you'll notice there, I'm to draw near to God. I'm to cleanse my hands, you sinners. And so not only is salvation to begin to live for God and hang out with God, i got to get rid of the things in my life that are not godly. And he said, you double-minded. Now, you know what a double-minded is? He's a saint on Sunday and he's a sinner on Monday. He, he comes to the things of God one day and then he acts like the world the next. And so right here, James is telling us, number one, i got to make the decision I'm going to draw near to God. Number two is get rid of the sin in your life. Begin to ask God, help me. And he said, purify your hands and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so what happens to us if we don't do what James 4, 8 says? Well, go back to Revelations. You're right there. Just go to Revelations 3. Go back to your right just a little bit. And I want you to begin to see right here because in Revelations 3, He's talking to the church in Laodicea. 
This is Jesus talking to the church. And I believe he's talking to a church that's lost its passion. In other words, they one time or another had confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, but they've turned away from him. Now look what he says starting in verse 15. I know your works or your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, and I could wish you were cold or hot. And so right here he's saying, I know what you're doing. We're not, we're not a mystery to God. But he says, I wish you were either cold or hot. Why? Well, look what he goes on to say in verse 16. So then because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And so this is what's happened to a church. And what he's telling us here, guys, is this. That if you live lukewarm, you know what that means? That you try to blend in with the cold. And lukewarm means then you try to blend in with the hot. And he said because you're lukewarm. Now think about this. This is Jesus' words. He said, I will vomit you out of your mouth. Now think about what it started with. And I said, he's writing to the church at Laodicea. He's talking to believers here, guys. He's not talking to the world. He said, because you are neither hot nor cold. And so what is hot and cold? Well, a, a, a lukewarm person is one who wants to blend in with the world, but then he also wants to blend in with the church. Now that could define you or me. And that, I believe, is a result, guys, of people that have lost their passion for God. We quit drawing near to God. And we go into a spiritual hibernation where we don't make time to hang out with Him anymore. And some of the keys in your life as a believer that you are lukewarm is when you don't have a passion to praise God, you don't have a passion to worship God, when you don't have a desire to get into the Word. A lack of the Bible, guys, will show lukewarm. A lack of prayer will show you're lukewarm. Now that's just not for you, that's for me too, guys. And so I must purpose in my heart, I'm going to hang out with God. I'm going to draw near to God. Now look at the invitation Jesus gives in verse 20. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now, I want you to understand this. Jesus is knocking. He wants to come into your life. He wants to dine with you. And he made a key statement there. He says, does anyone hear? Does anyone open the door? And so you know what Jesus is telling us right there? I'm not going to barge in. God never does anything against our will. It's got to be our choice to hear and to open the door. But he's talking here. To a church, guys, it's lost their passion. They've lost their heart for the things of God. And this is big as, as Christians. This is ABC of Christianity, guys. Now, go back to your left, just a couple books, to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2. Oh, man, guys, you've got to get a hold of this. We're going to stir you up today. Where you leave here realizing, you know what, I've got to hang out with God. I got to hang out with God. I got to desire God. I got to crave the things of God. And maybe that's what you got to make your prayer this whole week. Father God, stir up within me. Here we are. First Peter. 
chapter number 2. Let's begin in verse number 1. And it says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, which is wickedness, all deceit or insincerity, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. The message translation says clean house. Get all that junk out of your life. And look what he says in verse 2. As newborn babes desire, as newborn babes desire, crave, or thirst. As newborn babes have an appetite. What is the appetite? Well, look what he says right here. The pure milk of the word. There's a desire for the pure milk of the word. And so I believe as believers for every one of us, the thermometer or the barometer in your life that will locate you, do you desire the word of God? And it's interesting right here that he likens it to a newborn baby. And look what happens with the word of God. And it says this newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That you may grow. So listen, he gives us insight here, Peter does. And he tells us just as a newborn babe desires milk, this must be the heart of us, that we must desire the milk of the Word, the pure milk of the Word. Why? He said that you may grow thereby. Now when I read that, I look and I think, if I don't desire the milk of the Word like he's talking about, it's going to stunt my growth spiritually. It's going to stunt your growth spiritually. I don't care who you are, but as long as I remain teachable and I have a desire for the Word of God, because I'm going to grow. And so we got to begin to get a hold of this. And the thing is, I can't ever get in my life where I think, I don't need the Word anymore. I don't need the Word anymore. Let me ask you this. Does a newborn babe, does he eat every day? Yep, yep, and that's the same as us. So I can't ever get where I don't think I need the Word of God, or I can't ever get where I think I know it all. You know, a person who thinks they know it all, people can't help them. I wonder sometimes if even Father God can help a person that thinks he knows it all. And so right here, he gives us a clue, but look what he goes on to say in verse number 3. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now you begin to see something, and I started out how we desire things. You are what you eat. It's amazing when you begin to look at the Scripture. Jesus said, I want to dine with you. And he says right here, oh, if you've tasted, if you've tasted. You know, David said in Psalm 34, he said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, think about this. How many of you remember the day you got born again? Oh, man, you tasted and you thought, the things of God are so awesome. I believe, guys, this ought to be our desire every day. That we begin to look and say, oh, Father God, I need the pure milk of your word today. I need that in my life. Now, the, the, the verse there, verse 2 said, that you may grow thereby. In Mark 4.15, it says that when the Word of God is sown and they, they hear the Word, the devil comes immediately to steal the Word. He comes immediately to steal the Word. Now, I see right here that Peter said this is how we grow, and so evidently the devil must know that. So he's going to do everything in his ability to keep you from getting the Word because he knows if you don't get the Word, what? 
you're not going to grow. I don't care who you are in this room, how long you've been serving God. i got to get the word. Now think about this. The devil, when he comes to steal the word, how does he do that? Well, when you study that passage in Mark 4, you find out that he tries to keep us distracted. How? Well, two words that define us today as, as human beings or even Americans. I'm busy and I'm tired. Almost every person in this room, if you would ask them sometime through this week, how are you? You know how they would respond? I'm busy. I'm tired. So the devil's going to do anything he can to keep you from getting the things of God. The things that he wants to put on the inside of you. Now, just for a minute here, I want to give you a little visual illustration that will help us. Let's see who we got here that's pretty big. Matt, come on up here. You're, you're, you're big and tall. And so each one of us, guys, as we grow physically in life, I had a couple of mats there. It could have been either one of you. We all know physically, guys. Yeah, go ahead and have a seat. Physically in life, guys, we grow. It's just, it's just part of it. Over a series of time, you know, you see a little guy and he starts growing and he's 5, 10, 50, and they just keep growing. That's kind of a natural progress. But spiritually, guys, each one of us are born into this world the same. When we get born again, that's the starting point. Now, if we don't continually hear the word of God, this is what happens. Here's you one. And here's one for me. And so the, the times in our life go, we're born again. But we never get the milk of the word. So me and Matt, we walk around day after day. We got our bottles. We got our pacifiers. And we got our diapers. And so years goes on. And now we're 15 years old as born, born again. And so we keep playing with things that are as of a baby. We don't ever grow up. And so before, I bought us some animal crackers too. And so when you begin to think of this, about 30 years old, 40 years old, this kind of looks foolish, doesn't it? But just think about this. I wonder in the spiritual realm, if this is how we look to the angels and Father God. He looks down at us and say, these guys have been born again for 20 years. But they still got diapers on. Now, this is what I'm talking about. But if we continue to get the pure milk of the Word of God, what did he say would happen? We would grow. We would grow. Thank you. I don't know if that illustration helped you a bit, but I thought it, I thought this, that a lot of times, you know, you, you would go down here to our three-year-old class. And if you walk by there and saw Matt sitting in that three-year-old class, banging on the desk, wanting some juice, you would say, what is he doing down there? But see, that's exactly what we've done with Father God. Now, let me tell you something about the kingdom of God. You don't get promoted just because you've been saved for five years. In other words, when you flunk first grade in the kingdom of God, finally, after a few years, God doesn't say, just move him on. No, 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 that doesn't happen in the spiritual realm. If you don't keep growing in the word of God, you're going to stay in the five-year-old class for your whole life. That's not good, guys. God wants us to grow. Every one of us in this room. But i got to make it a priority to get in the Word of God. If that's not an appetite of yours, 
Begin to pray and say, oh, Father God, I want to taste and see that you're good. I want a desire for the Word of God. You know, in my own life, guys, it's one of the highlights of my day early in the morning. When I get to get up and read the Word, and every morning I read at least one of the Proverbs, I read at least one of the Psalms, and then I read something in the New Testament every morning. Every morning. Because you know what? i got to get the Word in me. And then I have another book called the Book of Jasher I read every morning. Now that doesn't count the rest of my study time, but that's in my own personal time. I'm always reading books, guys. i got to stay full of the Word of God. Now, that doesn't mean you got to spend hours. God knows your schedule. But how many of you going to eat tomorrow morning before you go to work? I'll answer that. Every one of us. Every one of us. So we make choices throughout the day to eat physically. And you've heard me say this. The great evangelist Smith Wigglesworth said, we feed our, our natural body, our natural man, three hot meals a day, and we feed our spirit man one cold snack a week, and we wonder why we're starving. Look with me back in the Old Testament. Second Chronicles chapter 14. And I want to show you a man here. Now, where's the Chronicles? You say, well, you're going to come to Samuel, and then you're going to come to Kings, and then you're going to come right into Second Chronicles 14. Come with me, and I want to show you about this man that I believe we can learn from. And as I was going through these kings the other day, man, this one just jumped out at me. But you have a responsibility. Now, you don't have to show me your hands, but how many want to grow spiritually? Yeah, I do. I want to grow spiritually. Well, get in the Word. Let the Word of God, according to Romans 12, 2, it says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of my mind to what? To the Word of God. So as, as you eat, that's what you're going to be, even spiritually. Here we are, Second Chronicles 14. Begin to read with me in verse 1. So Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days, the land was quiet for ten years. So let me tell you what's going on here. This man named Abijah, he dies. He was the king, and now they've moved his son named Asa in as king. Now let me give you a little brief history of who Asa is. He is the great-grandson of Solomon, which would make him the great-great-grandson of David. And so he's got a lot of heritage in him. But as I read that, I thought, you know what? I know what your dad did. I know what your great-grandfather and your great-great-grandfather did. But what you going to do? What you going to do? Now look what it says here in verse 2. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. So you read that right here, and you see, he started out great. He started out with a passion. I'm going to serve you, God. He did what was right. Verse 3. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods, the high places, and he broke down the sacred pillars, and he cut down the wooden images. Now, as I read that part right there, I thought, you know what? It's one thing... For me to draw near to God. It's another thing according to James 4.8. To cleanse my hands you sinners. Now it's just not to serve God. If you'll look at verse 3 again. He said that he removed. He broke down. And he cut down. And all those things that I'm talking about right there guys. Were the junk in his life. 
the things that had got him in trouble. And so not only was he running toward God, he was removing all the things in his life that had caused problems. I believe that's a sign of growth for every one of us. When I quit having the appetite for the things of the world. Verse 4. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their father. He commanded them to seek. Now I can tie that into to Hebrews eleven six of the New Testament. It says that without faith it's impossible to please God. For he is and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'm going to tell you, something happens when human beings begin to seek God. When they begin to desire God. And so he commanded all of Judah to do this. Look what he goes on to say in verse 4. And to observe the law and the commandment. So he's telling them, listen boys, we're not only going to seek God, we're going to obey God. That's big for us, guys. You want to find out what God's will is for your life? Just start reading the Word. It'll tell you in there. So in, in, in Aza's life, we saw in verse 1, things go on for 10 years. And there's a lot of peace. But something begins to happen in his life. And pick up with me in verse number 9. Second Chronicles 14. And now I'm bouncing a little bit. Then Zara, the Ethiopian, came out against them with an army of a million men. 300 chariots, and he came to Marshal. So Asa went out against him, and they set the troops in battle array in the valley. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God. And he said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on you. And in your name we go against the multitude, O Lord. You are God. Do not let man prevail against you. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asia and Judah and the Ethiopians fled. So what I want you to see here, it becomes very evident in this guy named Aza's life, he's still seeking God. He's still drawn near to God. And so life just keeps going. And we saw how Aza started. And so you see here a little ways into his life, or his kingship, he's still seeking God. Chapter 15, verse 1. Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa, and he said to him, now get this, guys, we need to get this. Hear me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. See, you know what God does once again? He puts the ball in our courts, and he says, if you seek me, He'll be with you. If you stick out with me, if you hang out with me, you'll find him. He tells us what he wants us to do. What's the expectation? Look over there in the same chapter, chapter 15. And look with me in, in verse number, uh, let's start in verse number 9. Then he gathered all of Judah and Benjamin and those who dwelt with them, from Ephraim and Manasseh and Simeon, for they came over to him to great numbers from Israel when they saw the Lord as God was with them. So they gathered together in Jerusalem in the third month in the 15th year of reign of Asa. They offered to the Lord at that time 700 bulls, 7,000 sheep from the spoil they had brought. Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. Now what I want you to see right there in Asa's life, you know what he's doing? He's still seeking God. 
He's still desiring God. He's still drawn near to God. You know what I see with this? This guy just didn't serve God on Sundays. It was every day of his life he still went after God. That must be big for us too. Verse 13. And whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel was to be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. Now I looked at that and I thought, man, Asa didn't play around. He told all the people that live under his reign, he said, listen guys, we're going to seek the Lord. We're going to come into covenant. And if you don't want to seek God, you know what we're going to do? We're going to kill you. And I thought, whoo, what would happen in our churches today if we begin to do that? Line them up. Let's execute them today. You'd have people get right with God real quick or they'd quit coming to church. One of the two. Asa was so determined, guys, to serve God that even a few verses down, his own grandmother was, was worshiping some false gods and Asa removed her. He busted his own grandma. And as I read that, you know what I realized? Asa put loyalty to God above even his own family. You know what he said? I'm going to serve God. I don't care what grandma does. I don't care what Aunt Susie does. I'm going to serve God. And so Asa, you see, throughout his life, he keeps serving God and he keeps looking to God. Chapter 16, verse 1. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Okay, so I'm just running you through this guy's life. He's now been the king for 36 years. you got to get a hold of this, guys. And in this time, this other king rises up against him. And Asa had always run to, other, or to God. He had never run to man. But this time, when this other king rose up against him, he looked to man instead of God. Now, I want you to look at the warnings in verse number 7. 2 Chronicles 16, verse 7. And at that time, Hananiah the seer came to Asa, king of Judah. And he said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria, and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Now, what he does here, he reminds him of his past. Verse 8. Were the Ethiopians and the Lubim not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, He delivered them into your hand. Now I want you to look at verse 9, because this is a verse maybe you've quoted before. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal, whose heart is blameless, a wholehearted, it's completely His. It's fully His. And if you'll notice here, when God's eyes go to and fro the earth, it didn't say He was looking for someone with a high IQ. Great talents or abilities. He said He was looking for a certain type of heart. And you think back that when Hananiah here warns him, he had told, he had told Asa, you had always sought God. You would always look to God. And now, you know what you've done? You've turned your back on God and you started looking to men. Verse 10. Then Asa was angry with the seer. He was angry with this guy. You know what Proverbs 12 1 says? 
He who hates correction is stupid. Now, that's not my paraphrased edition, guys. That sounds like something I'd say. That's truly in the Bible. It says, Proverbs 12, He who hates correction is stupid. Now, look what happens here with this guy named Asa. And he put him in prison. For he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. And so you begin to see some of the characteristics that happen when I stopped seeking God. He became arrogant. You know what the Proverbs say about arrogance? Pride goes before the fall. He became angry. He became mad. This is a sign of, of what happens in our lives when we quit listening to God, one, and then when people try to help us. You know, when people rebuke you or correct you, it'll always show what's really in your heart. Uh, Proverbs 9, verse 7 says, You rebuke a wise man, he'll love you. You rebuke a wicked man, it says he'll harm himself. And as I began to look at this, I thought, what happens even after you've served God for 36 years of your life? Keep reading, verse number 11. Note the acts of Asa. First and last are written indeed in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. Now highlight that, guys. His first and his last. You know what I want you to know, guys? It's not just how you start. And there is a beginning point for every one of us, and it's called salvation. It's also called how we finish. And I believe it's huge how you finish. You know, that's why in Galatians it says, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't do that. Now keep reading. Verse number, verse 12. And I, I was hoping in this passage that when you read it that you would think, surely Azen repented and came back to God. Look what it said. And in the 39th year of his reign, Azen became diseased in his feet. His malady was severe, yet in his disease he did not seek the Lord but the physicians, you know what I saw here? He never came back to God. A king who experienced God's blessings when he sought him. Every time he sought him. But because he didn't finish well, guys, you wonder about him eternally. You wonder about what's going to happen to him. Go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and we'll end with this this morning. Hebrews 12. See, what I want you to see, guys, is yeah, salvation is the, my beginning point. But I must become a disciple of Christ. You know what a disciple of Christ is? He's a disciplined one. He's one that follows Him. He's one that looks to Him. And this is somebody that, that becomes where I crave the things of God. I look forward to the things of God. If that's not in you today, guys, you need to pray that God will stir you up on the inside. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight. You know what that means? Anything that tries to hinder your progress spiritually. What am I supposed to? I'm supposed to lay it aside. Look what he says next. And the sin which so easily ensnares or clings or entangles us. So easily. 
And let us run with endurance. That word endurance means steady, persistent, or even with perseverance. The race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. See guys, I've got to learn to give Jesus my undivided attention. And maybe you've been born again. But let me ask you something today. Do you crave the things of God? Do you look forward to church? Do you look forward for an opportunity to praise God? Let me ask you this. What's first place in your life? What's first place in your life? Because if you can't say God, you need to begin to check your heart and say, Oh, Father God, that's me today. I've quit seeking you. See, just like in Aza's life, the, the seer named Hananiah, he came to warn him, to help him, to love him, to say, listen, you've got to come back to the things of God. If you've drifted and got off course, stand on your feet with me.